Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. My name is John Payne. I serve as the lead pastor of Redemption Hill Church in Round Rock and also serve on the Sovereign Grace Leadership Team. And I'm here with my good friend, Jared Mellinger, who leads Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, and is also on the Sovereign Grace Leadership Team. And I'm sure is excited about how the Philadelphia Eagles are playing this year. Is that accurate? Are you excited about that? How about it? Yes. <laughs> Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> given, given that you and I are not thought of as as great sports fans, right? <laughs> anybody who is a great sports fan, you know, hey, take that. We actually know what's happening in the NFL. <laughs> yes. Well, there was it was around a month ago, or not even that, here in Philly, that there was like five different sports with so much going on that everyone was excited about, and I just doing my best to keep up with these things, but (laughs) tracking. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, you know, full caveat, I have no interest in the Eagles doing any great thing this year. So I'm just saying that purely for your sake, because I could care less how they're doing. Uh, But, you know, hey, there you go. There's there's our... (laughs) <laughs> your sports reference for the day yeah perfect <laughs> well um we we wanted to spend this episode talking about uh shepherding and the the biblical metaphor that we're given of shepherding in scripture as a as a primary metaphor of what it means to be an, an overseer elder pastor teacher that this metaphor is is given pride of place. There are other metaphors, um, agricultural metaphors from ministry, construction metaphors from ministry, but this one seems to have a pride of place. Um, Obviously, we can look at Acts 20, what what Paul says to the elders uh, when he's gathered them at Miletus, what Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, 1 Peter 5. Um, there, There is also something magnificent about this in the fact that Christ himself calls himself the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So the fact that we're called to exercise this pastoral function in a metaphor that reflects the Lord himself, Mm. I think, you know, gives a pride of place to this metaphor. So we just want to talk about it. Why, why this metaphor? Why is it important? What are ways we might drift away from it? Because, you know, all pastors, I think, need to be brought back to this metaphor to shape how we think about what it is that God's uh, called us to do. Um, so let's talk about it. Just Let me just ask you a question. What, what are some of the ways that you think this metaphor as shepherd, let's just explore the metaphor itself, yeah. um, that it, it metaphorically defines what it is that we're doing in being a leader of God's people? Mm. The first thing that comes to mind is the call to care, the call to to love the sheep, the call to 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 reflect the heart of God. You know, it's even there in that that promise in Jeremiah three mm-hmm. to, that God would give shepherds after His own heart. And for me, there's something in the bound up in the shepherding imagery that is just as the Lord tends his flock like a shepherd, gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them in his bosom, gently leads those that are with young. It's a picture of, it's not only this, uh, there's there's many aspects to the image, but uh, but this image of the, the gentleness and compassion and tenderness of the shepherd who loves the sheep, yes. who, who, who lays down his life 
for the sheep. Um, Richard Baxter in The Reformed Pastor says that the whole of our ministry must be carried out in tender love to our people. And that sense of, uh, of, of a tender love and a care. Our great concern is for, is for the flock. We are not, <laughs> we're not seeking to impress. We're not performing. We, right. we, are care- we are tending to the flock of God that belongs to him, that was purchased by the blood of Christ. And, mm. uh, and so that presence of love and care, a, a shepherd's heart is what's needed in order to do uh, the, the work of a shepherd. Yeah, excellent. It strikes me that, um, you know, the the nature of shepherding is somewhat based on the idea that sheep are simultaneously valuable and vulnerable. Hmm. Um, so they they need to be cared for. And, and, you know, important to say, we as shepherds are sheep. I mean, we're, we're sheep first and foremost. We're not a, a separate kind of sheep or something. We're not gladiator <laughs> sheep that are, you know, <laughs> yes. need the exact same things that everybody else needs. So, but, but sheep are valuable. And, and so, you know, they, they, they should be protected. They should be cared for. And obviously Christians are valuable infinitely because of Christ's sacrifice to pay for us. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul says in Acts 20, that it, it, these are the sheep he died for. If the chief shepherd died for them, they, they have more value than, than we can possibly calculate. Um, yes. But they're also vulnerable. That they, they need care. They, as you said, they need to be carried sometimes. Mm-hmm. That sheep, I mean, the metaphor is, is, is wonderfully humbling. You know, sheep are, are prone to wander. That they're, they're not able to defend themselves. They're prone to get sick. They're prone to fall over. They don't move very quickly. They're not able to handle rushing streams. They're not able to reach to the highest, you know, trees to get their their foraging. They they, they need a kind of constant watchfulness, protection, care. Um, so just by definition, the person caring for them has to give attention to all those yeah. things. Um, you know, you think about aspects of what a shepherd does. You know, a shepherd. It's been often reference it shepherd leads the flock he goes before them rather than driving you drive cattle you sort of force cattle to go shepherd have to be guided so that speaks of a shepherd's example a pastor's example of of drawing them they have to be led to pasture that is it 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 speaks to them where they are you're not just like saying go go over there somewhere and find some food like you're bringing them to the food and obviously metaphorically we bring them to christ and to the word and to the presence of his spirit we're Mm -hmm. we're directing them to those sources um i i think this also speaks of a, a shepherd's presence among them you know, there could be other metaphors where you're you're aware of something you're responsible for at a great distance from you, whereas a shepherd is, is with his sheep. Uh, you know, he's among them, and I think that speaks to pastors. Pa- pastors are with the flock. They 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 are there, and and they are willing to suffer and sacrifice in order to be with them. Yes. Um, you know, because there's dangers. And you you wouldn't know those dangers if you're living at a distance from sheep. You you have to actually have your eyes on the sheep, and see them. And um, I I think you know and maybe speak to this a little bit, Jared. I, I feel like this guards Christian leaders. Let's just call them generically Christian leaders. It guards us from a number of other ways of thinking about leadership 
that Paul certainly could have utilized. The fact that he doesn't, I think, <laughs> you know, pastors are not called generals, <laughs> you know, which he certainly could have referenced, you know, we're the generals of God's army or something. Um, you know, pastors are the emperors of this outpost of God's kingdom. You know, we're a prefect. We're, mm. you know, and those metaphors in some ways might be appealing to our pride. Mm. Um, and that would have been true for Paul. I mean, that's true in the first century, too. Um, it's not like shepherds are this like magnificent role yes. model or anything you know it's like you, you want to be a captain or a general or some kind of like masculine leadership that's you know leading armies and directing you know the forces against the forces of evil <laughs> yes. said you're just a shepherd out out in the field weathering the long night of this world you know with the flock and um I, I think that's it's good because i think even in this day and age we sometimes have a something of a corporate mentality where we think almost like we're we're in charge of a religious business that provides certain religious services and should craft those services in such a way that we get the maximum number of clients mm. <laughs> where the bible ha ha has no view of anything remotely like that you know we're trying to maximize our clientele or you know mm. considering what what does the current culture look for in a religious service business mm. We're not like a taco stand except we serve bible and jesus i mean we we are we we are we're we're shepherds that are among and leading a flock of people caring for their souls um mm. which is it, it 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 changes us from a kind of corporate indifference to the individual um, yes Weigh in on that. How, how does that well yes and we're and when we when we speak and lead we're not doing we're not speaking to the world out there or the, the evangelical world at large where this is the flock. These right. are those who have been entrusted to our care. And, and these are the ones that we must study and know and yes. serve. A, a pastor may be limited in his knowledge of current events and broader culture and national and global affairs. He cannot be ignorant about the flock. Uh, yes. A pastor and shepherd cannot lead those he does not know. In fact, that that knowing, that knowledge of the flock, and by that I mean, what are the challenges and joys that yeah. that members of the church are facing? What is the, what are the pressures that they are facing in life? What are the things they're celebrating? The sins that they struggle with? Uh, what's what are the challenges they face in the workplace? What are the challenges they're facing in marriage and in the home and with their kids? This sort of knowledge of the flock is essential for the faithful shepherd to be able to lead and to care for the flock. Yes, excellent, excellent. And I, I tend to think, and I, I just speak personally, um, I, this is one of those categories that I honestly think there is the danger of presumption and complacency in the heart of a pastor, mm -hmm. even as he's been pastoring a long time. Um, you know, it's one of those topics that we think, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know that. I know about shepherding, you know, but we're not maybe being diligent to examine our own heart. Is my heart still to know God's people? Mm -hmm. you know, it would be a good question, you know, especially for a 20 year yeah. pastor that still has maybe, you know, 20 years to go or 15 years ago or however long to add, is, is my heart still to know God's people? Am, am I drifting towards a kind of client business mentality, mm. um, which doesn't particularly care about these people? I think a, a danger for, I mean, anybody our age and younger, 
I totally agree with what you said. There's the danger of wanting to be sort of a generic preacher hitting the, the greatest hot button issues uh, to be to kind of have the idea that I'm I'm sort of a, a, a shepherd for hire online that is weighing in on the broad issues of the world, right. you yes. know, and, uh, whether or not my flock has any idea why this message that I'm giving on the latest you know Twitter feud really is necessary for them because none of them are concerned about what's going on, you know, they're struggling with something radically different, you know, and um, I I think that's a category. But what, what weigh in on this, a a burden I had as, even as we shared this, that we're, we're not meaning that every pastor has to be primarily gifted in one-on-one counseling. Hmm. Um, though I do think that's a very valuable part of pastoral ministry, and I am concerned about pastors who, you know, reach a point where they're like, man, I just never want to be in a room, you know, one-on-one with another Christian. I, I, I just, please, never, I, you know. I think, mm, I'm not, you know, sh- shepherding has an element of, of personal care, yeah. you know, for, you know, say a family that you're, you're, you're wanting to care for this family in this moment. And, and if, if pastoring is all, I just want my study and the pulpit. And if we could create a hallway where I never have to meet anybody in between those two, that would be great. I think, well, okay, that's not, that's not pastoring. I, I think that's lecturing. Um, yes. that's not pastoring. Um, but on the other hand, I, I, we don't mean, and I know you would agree, but we don't mean, you know, every pastor is primarily gifted in, in kind of personal counseling or small group leading or something. We mean more that all aspects of ministry, whether it's a guy primarily gifted to preach, maybe maybe the primary preacher, or a guy that's leading a youth, uh, say a, a youth directed ministry, or a guy that's concerned for the children's care, catechism care in the church, or a guy that's leading, you know, equipping people in evangelism, that it ought to have this shepherding disposition. Yeah. So we're shepherd preachers, we're shepherd counselors, we're yes. shepherd overseers. Even as we make decisions about starting ministries, it's all directed by this. What will help the sheep to come to Christ, to be protected from mm-hmm. wolves and to yes. flourish on their way to Zion? It, it's it's directed by this metaphor. So if how would you speak to that? You mean you do, I mean, a significant amount of preaching. Um, so if you're not one of the guys that maybe is, yes. is primarily carrying a counseling load, how do they cultivate this shepherding disposition if a lot of your gifts tends toward sort of oversight and preaching and maybe not that interpersonal care? Yes, it is. I do agree with you and believe that every pastor and shepherd should be involved to one degree or another in uh, a personal care. Now, that may be, as it is in my case, more with leaders and fellow under shepherds as I'm as I'm caring for them as they're caring for the flock but I am not on our pastoral team one of the guys who are most involved in in counseling uh, and in personal care in that way one of the things that means is that I need to stay closely connected to those who are doing that work to hear what things they're seeing as necessary to address. In other words, when I'm, when I'm preparing a sermon, I want to have that sort of application grid in view that is even thinking about individuals in the church. That's thinking about, uh, you know, that Christian who is a single or the, uh, that, you know, newly wed couple or that teenager who's going to be listening, uh, that person who is battling a particular sickness thinking, how does this 
text apply to them? How does it minister to them? How would I counsel this person from this passage of scripture is a question yeah. that, that pastors are, uh, are wise to, to ask. We also take time as an eldership to have conversation together in which we are saying, what are the pressing needs of the flock? Yes. You know, so, so we're not, so not just me bringing, oh, I've been studying this book of the Bible and I'm eager to preach on that. Well, okay. It may be that I, I love a book of the Bible and that's a good thing. And that could be a fine series to preach, but I want to have the preaching diet determined in part by what is it that will best serve the flock in yes. this season. And yes. so we, we give thought and conversation to what, what, what are the things that the church is facing? What are they, what are they navigating? What sort of things do we do? We want to uh, feed them from God's word and have yes. that uh, influence the, the preaching diet of the church. Yes, excellent. I, I I think that preachers, especially primary preachers, you just have to guard against what I might call a kind of generic application. Yeah. Uh, you know, you kind of have okay general categories that you throw in there that have very little sense of this is my church. Not that you're speaking of, of individuals by name or anything, but you're you're trying to address the application uniquely to this group of people, and you carry that burden on your heart. You know, if, if you could preach identically the same sermon in any church in evangelicalism, you know, again, you, it feels like you're more of a lecturer, uh, you know, than a than a pastor preacher. Um, another another caution I would have is, you know, men who serve with have a primary gifting of let's call it interpersonal care or you know teaching at a smaller group level. Um, I think a it's important that there be a, a real partnership, as you're describing, that those men not not view preaching or as a primary gift as some kind of separate thing from what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, as like that's not real pastoring. I mean, the real pastoring is when you're down in the trenches. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you want to say, well, well, no, preaching is real pastoring um, yes. because that's. That's opening up the green pastures of God's word to yes. God's people. It's encountering them by the spirit of God in the preaching moment and, and seeking to lead them to pasture that is in God's word. Yes. Um, so there should be this, this partnership, as you're describing, between those two gifts where the, you know, a kind of a primary preaching pastor is leaning on. Help me understand, guys, what are you guys seeing? And here's what I'm seeing. What are you seeing as you talk to some of the different folks? What are your burdens as we go through this book? What, how should I be applying that? And then vice versa, those who are more involved, say, in more interpersonal care should be wanting to direct people to that preaching moment. And I, I sometimes think of the preaching moment almost like a, a fountain for the church that then if there is other pastors in some ways other ministry leaders they're taking buckets from that fountain and taking it to individuals and saying look look at look at what god just spoke to us let's let's drink this together do you see how this applies to your situation yeah. and so there's a there should be like a partnership between those two you know different types of gift uh on a pastoral team i, I think so yes. yeah very good um, one final thought here, bro, would just be, how, how do you think um, this, this metaphor should shape a, an aspiring pastor? Let's just say in the, in the category of um, 
I'm thinking about sort of amb- ambition for a a highly popular kind of view of ministry. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that tongue in cheek seriously because I, I think that's a temptation. I, even when you and I grew up um, and came into ministry, even there was a level of almost popularity about pastoring or certainly evangelicalism had, had a measure of popularity that I think sometimes this this metaphor didn't quite fit the feeling that, you know, pastors are the rock star and, you know, yeah. you're going to have a book published and probably get to go to a conference or know somebody who is. And and I think it's good to get back to this because it gives you an endurance that, look, I'm, I, I'm, I don't need, yeah. you know, multitudes of sheep <laughs> listening yeah. to me. I'm, yes. I'm just a shepherd. So, I mean, speak to that for the guy that's like an aspiring to ministry, how this could maybe help them. I remember reading Paul Tripp talking about this. I think he talks about it in a seminary classroom where he just realizes that so many people who are training for pastors aren't equipped for the real problems and challenges of shepherding the flock and caring for people and their problems. And so he just hammers that away by talking about this challenge, this challenge, this challenge, real challenges that that people face. And he tells the story of someone in the classroom just like blurting out, when can we get past these problems, you know, problems and onto real ministry? And uh, sort of like everything gets quiet in the in the room. And and Trip wonderfully makes the point: P- people are not the obstacles to ministry; they are the object of it. They're the, and and so that needs to be a part of our aspirations for for pastoral ministry. I want to shepherd the flock. I want. It's not just that I like talking in front of people and like reading <laughs> right. books. Theological study is great. Okay, those things are. But uh, pastoral ministry is about feeding the flock, and so there needs to be a a heart for people. Uh, pray that God would would you know raise you you up is what I would say to to a young man to make you a shepherd after God's own heart that has this deep passion for for people and yes. uh, and the concern for the well-being of of people our desire it, uh, and this it serves as a as a check to our motives in ministry because we we we're not interested in becoming pastors so that we have a platform so that we have a following oh look at the, i get to speak to others i have people following me we're, yes. our, our great our great interest is how can i spend and be spent for the for the sake of others, how can I uh, give myself in in service to the flock? Yes, Amen. Well, and I think too, it gives us a joy knowing that the glory of shepherding is the future. Hmm. You know, it's not that we're saying, "Look, this is a terrible, nasty job, but somebody has to do it." So just de- devote yourself to this awful calling and. You know, just know that you're getting something good done. No, there there is a joy and a glory. Pa- pastoring is a short term job. Mm-hmm. It's it's it will end very soon, mm-hmm. and then comes the glory mm-hmm. of knowing that you had the privilege of strengthening and comforting and warning and admonishing some of God's precious sheep. You mm-hmm. you will get to see them, yes. seeing Him. And know that you were with them in the night of this world before the sun rose, and it was the end of night forever. And you, you, you were a means of that. So the the glory is there. It, it's not that it's 
all terrible and you know no the glory is there but it's it's not I, what i would want pastors and especially future pastors to have is a sense of being surprised by the frequent times that it is it is easy in this life and and there are many times where you find it wow that that was actually not a hard week that actually that week was was delightfully enjoyable very actually like functionally so they're surprised by that rather than assuming that's the way it should always be. But then they're looking for a joy in the future yes. when, when the Lord will call his flock home and there yes. will be only one shepherd and we will just take our place among all the sheep that we got to help along the way. Um, that That's then, the joy that we want to have. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's yes. our future and our and. Pastoral ministry now is done in light of the fact that we are under shepherds, yes. uh, serving under the chief shepherd who loves and cares for those entrusted to our care even more than we do yes. and, uh, and holds them firmly in his hand. Well, for all of these reasons, <laughs> let us say to every fellow pastor in Sovereign Grace, we count it an honor to pastor with you. Yes. Uh, if you are discouraged in your pastoring, remember the honor we've been given. Yes. If you're a, pa a person interested in future pastoring, let, let us encourage you. This is a noble and glorious opportunity to serve God and serve His people. So for all those reasons, we love you. We are grateful for you. And we look forward to seeing you next time.